Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for the show. And today I am joined by my lovely wife, Sarah. Sarah, welcome back to Equipping You and Grace, sweetheart. Thank you. Well, guys, uh, today we're going to talk about something that is really, really important. We recently had uh, a new issue of Theology for Life come out last month. It's titled Your Morals or Mine, Learning to Navigate the Waters uh, of Christian Ethics. Uh, Just really quickly uh, here, just defining our terms, Christian ethics is a matter of applying biblical and systematic and historical and practical theology. It's taking the best of those disciplines and it's applying them to the questions and to the issues of our day. Um, We are facing a time of biblical and theological illiteracy, and so we need to have a good understanding of these uh, topics uh, to face them in the public square, and that's really what we're going to talk about uh, today. Um, Sarah, was there anything in this this issue that that stood out to you? Well, it's a great answer. There are a lot of different articles that we had in the issue that really touched on uh, several uh, ethical subjects uh, really well. And I think that I I think that the one that really stood out to me the most um, was the actually the one on um, critical race theory. And I know that a lot of people are still struggling with. the idea that in the church we should be um, social justice warriors and um, putting that as a uh, forefront to any kind of theology that we would be applying. And if you look at the Bible, you can see that that's just not the the case. We're not taught to uh, be critical race theorists or uh, social justice warriors or that type of thing. We are taught to love the Lord first, love him with all of our heart, soul, and strength and mind. And, uh, and then we're taught to, from that, uh, you know, top level, allow our love to go to the rest of the church body um, and, and the rest of the world from there. And that is that is absolutely um, the epitome of what Scripture tells us, especially in, you know, the uh, Paul's epistles and um, and the letters from John. Uh, We see that uh, it's just imperative that we really, truly grasp what it means to love uh, Christ first and then that his body, the church body, um, be loved second. And you know, when you start putting the church body or, or other people first, you're really messing up the order of things. And that leads to so many wrong ideas and wrong, um, 
actions and motivations behind those actions that, you know, it, it just, it's not a good way to be. It's not the proper way. It's not the, uh, it's not how we need to be focusing on, you know, God and scripture first. Um, so yeah, that, that was one of my, um, is top things <laughs> question just for clarification we had two articles on critical race theory are you talking about the one by jacob tanner or the one by kelly benware or both well both but i really uh kelly benware's article really uh struck a nerve um and really you know hit home hard with that uh how she's explaining you know critical race theory and these ideas between uh you know intersectionality and dei uh, they are all you know intertwined they're all coming from the same uh wrong way of thinking and mm-hmm. i thought that it was a very impactful article yeah i i agree i thought both were really good and I I obviously agree with you um, on on that, uh, what you're saying, because, you know, we've had a Bodhi Bakum on to talk about his book, as you know, and that was a big interview um, to talk with him. And then we've had Owen Strahan on to talk about his book on on wokeness. And so, guys, this yes. is a subject that, you know, we have talked about on this show and uh, so much because we're, we're living in a day when these are matters of interpretation. Yeah. Um, but the thing that we have to say about those things is what they what they want to present to you is a whole way of life. Mm-hmm. So so do life from their worldview. And then that worldview then provides a way then to examine uh, or analyze the world. And that is what is so dangerous about critical race theory, because, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about critical race theory on this episode, but but we're just using this as an example. We're going with with it since this is an issue generally on the the, the topic of ethics and our issue is on ethics. What's so dangerous about this is that whether we're talking about critical race theory or the Enneagram or, you know, yoga and, you know, uh, all, all those things. It's, it's the, all these things are providing a foundation for how people understand life. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we have to understand from then from a biblical worldview, just saying it that way, is that the Bible is explicitly clear. I mean – I, I don't know how much more the Bible could be explicitly clear about this when it presupposes the existence of God in Genesis 1 that God just is, okay? It, it never makes an argument. The Bible, by the way, the Bible never makes an argument for the existence of God. It just starts with, hey, God created everything, okay? It, it just does. Go read Genesis 1 if you don't believe me. Okay, that that's the way it goes. And then it talks about how God created the world. And and so understanding the first three chapters of the Bible, creation, sin, and and uh the fall, vital, vital marriage. I mean, all these things, if we have a good understanding of Genesis one through three, we're gonna have uh begin to have, I'll say, a good understanding of the the rest of the Bible and 
we're going to begin to have a good understanding even of why we reject critical race theory uh, because uh, of sin. I mean, so, you know, we, yeah, we, we reject just, just, just as very briefly. That's why we even just at the basic level, foundational level would reject critical race theory. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important to point out that um, we are not told uh, in the scriptures that there is such thing as a a black church or a white church or an Asian church or a Jewish church or a Gentile church. We are one body. We are one uh, bride of Christ. And there is no division between us. There should be no division between us. We're repeatedly told that we are to, you know, um, come together in unity as, as much as we can allow that as much as uh, scripture um, Uh, you know, dictates that we should. There are obviously issues with doctrine that we need to be aware of, that we need to um, be Bereans over. We need to study the scriptures. We need to make sure that we are theologically sound in our um, application and our understanding of the scriptures. And we need to be uh, calling out false doctrine as we see it. In a loving and caring manner, of course, you know, it says that we are to speak the truth in love. So, you know, when we see scriptures like, like what I just mentioned, we're, you know, where where you're commanded to speak the truth in love, uh, that is a, a clue, if you will, of how we should be living according to not just, um, you know, uh, the way that we've always been taught according to tradition in the church, but also the way that scripture blatantly states, here is, here is your example. Here's what you are to do. We're given example after example in scripture of how we are to treat one another, how we are to view one another, especially in regards to, you know, other brothers and sisters in Christ. And it never says that we are to separate from each other. It never says that we should treat one group of people better than another. We are specifically called not to do those things. And Mm -hmm. so when you see racism, whether it's in the church or in the world, um, yeah, we're supposed to call that out. Definitely. We are told repeatedly to speak against such thoughts and actions. We're not uh, we're not supporting racism in any way. We're we're saying that critical race theory, uh, which essentially is racism repackaged, Mm -hmm. is. Uh, an anti-God, anti-theological, uh, anti-biblical concept. So I just wanted to point that out because uh, so many people get confused. They, th- they think, well, if you're anti-CRT, if you're anti, you know, uh, DEI or intersectionality or whatever, that means you're racist. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And now I'll tell you one thing. If somebody comes up to me and says, well, you know, you're inherently racist because you're white. I've got to reject that right off, right off, because I know in my heart that I am not a racist person. And God has called me to live according to his law, according to his uh, teachings and scripture. And that is what I strive to do every day of my life. And I know that so many of you are confused and conflicted over this type of thing, because there's a lot of people out there that are screaming louder and louder and louder. And that uh, are willing to 
tear apart families or willing to tear apart communities to make a point over this type of thing. And the problem is, is that they are taking uh, an idea that is a social construct, that is something that has been applied applied, uh, generically in our society, um, and they're trying to fit it into the church in a way where it's dividing and and divisive. And we can't allow that. As as Christians uh, in the global church, we cannot allow that to happen. We need to be standing strong and firm on that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, you know, that's this is a really good uh, what you, what you just said is really, really good. And just the opposite of that from from a biblical worldview, you know, you have a feet text like uh, Ephesians 2, 11 um, and 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 on to the rest of the end of Ephesians 2. It talks about how we're one in Christ. And so we we also we also just the caveat there, Sarah and I both reject economical thinking. So when she talks about, okay, you know, we're just supposed to work together in those things, we we I just want to make clear that we both very strongly reject economical, you know, thinking that says, oh, just just work together on any issue and and leave the doctrine behind. No, we're we're <laughs> I can tell you as servants of grace. Uh, we are very driven by sound biblical doctrine and reformed theology and that, you know, so we would we would utterly reject then the economical movement in any sort of like thinking. But but just to the point about that, you know, from a biblical worldview, we have been united to Christ. Uh, union with Christ is that we we are his and he is ours. And this unity that we have in Christ, it, it means that, as Paul says in Galatians uh, 3.28, that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. You know, we're, we're, we're in Christ. And you know, this language of in Christ, in him, in the Lord is so vital because it provides the real unity that we have. Uh, furthermore, in Revelation, we see that from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group, uh, we will gather together before uh, the, the the throne. So, so because of what Christ has done, we reject critical race theory. It is, as you said, it's it's unbiblical. It's it's antithetical to the gospel, it, and I'll go even further. It opposes the biblical worldview, but but this doesn't mean that that we're against reaching people then from every tribe, tongue, and, and and language. It means that what because of what Christ has done, He's joined us together uh, in unity. In, in in because of union with Him, we have a real unity that is grounded in the person and work of Christ. And so this is the reason that we can join together in our local churches, just to your point earlier about loving one another and loving the Lord and having the right order, loving him and it fuels a love for uh, one another and and so much more. But this is really, uh, really good. And I agree with you, Kelly's uh, Kelly's uh, article is really good. And so is Jacob's. But, you know, there's there's something else that we we also want to talk about. And there's a point to all of this that we're going to get to here very shortly. Uh, Something that hasn't been reported on very much or even talked about. I haven't really seen it too much in the media or or, or out there or in discussion. Um, It's 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 just uh, recently, August 3rd. 
by the way, if you want to keep up with what's happening really in our culture, go go to the White House dot gov briefing room there's all sorts of activity happening that isn't being reported and and that's kind of one of the reasons why we want to do this episode is, is to say hey here are all these things that yes are are real things they're really happening um in our country and they're happening um you know through executive fiat meaning our president president biden is declaring these things um, you know, uh, executive orders, which that's a whole nother topic, maybe for another time, my thoughts on that, which, you know, you might or might not like, but you know, uh, it, it, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. I'm not even going to go there, but, uh, I guess I, I'll, I guess I'll just say, I am not a fan of executive orders. I think that we need to limit those as much as possible. And we need to let the Congress and the Senate do what its job is under the constitution under the rule of law, which binds makes possible the fact that we can have a Congress and the Senate in the first place. And then the Congress and the House and the Senate sends it to the president to sign off on. And so I wish that we had more restrictions. But anyways, OK, there there I said it. OK, but but the point here is on August 3rd, President Biden made an executive order securing access to reproductive and other health care services. And, you know, in the last, I think it's a month or so, or maybe a little bit longer, we, we, we saw Roe versus Wade overturned by the Supreme Court earlier this summer. Many conservative states began tightening regulations on abortion, uh, prompting some abortion clinics to close and so on and so forth. Planned, Planned Parenthood, other uh, uh, abortion businesses, they began expanding on their operation in more progressive states in anticipation of women crossing lines to murder their babies. So President Biden signed this executive order on August 3rd. He asked the Department of Health and Human Services to mandate that hospitals provide women with with this own in this own. This is a statement from this stabilizing care, including abortion, if that care is necessary to stable their emergency medical condition. And he directed the health secretary Javier Bacara to try leveraging Medicaid for the purpose of helping women cross state lines for abortion. Now, there's even more discussion about using federal land, which means using our federal tax dollars to build abortion clinics where women can, you know, come and get an, an abortion. Well, other there's other policy proposals from leading Democrats. They've included tighter regulations on pregnancy centers. You know, which aim to, you know, help women that, you know, are are, you know, trying to get an trying to get an abortion and talk to them instead about getting an adoption and the other options and those kind of things. Uh, they aim to help women uh, keep their babies as well as the the construction of abortion clinics, as I said, on federal lands, by the way, located in conservative states. So if you're in a conservative state, it's coming to you too. Okay, it is. And yet, here's the point. Um as Christians, we are to love the truth, we're to tell the truth, we're to live from the truth of God's word. That, that's how we can have a biblical worldview and a biblical life view. And, and we're bringing up these matters that we are. We, we've talked about critical race theory, we're talking about abortion, we're talking about life. We bring up these matters because these matters are matters that we need to care about, and we need to speak out about them. We need to, in Ephesians 5.11, Paul says to expose the works of darkness. These are works of darkness, 
that must be brought out by us as Christians who love the truth of God's word. And we are to stand on the word of God. This is why we need to speak up about these matters in the public square. This is one of the reasons among many why we did this issue on theology for life, of theology for life. Sarah, your thoughts. Yeah. um, So many people, when they hear the word abortion, especially when they're non-Christians, they assume, well, it's part of healthcare. Why would anyone want to take that away from me? You know, it's part of my rights. Um, If you're taking that away from me, you're basically hating on women and that type of thing. These are commonly stated, uh, you know, ideas and and, um, rhetoric that we hear coming from people that are pro-abortion. And unfortunately, they are not understanding at all what uh, the truth of God's word says about, you know, the life in the womb and what that means um, to them or to, to the life itself. If we look at scripture, if we really truly um, take the time and read through it, we can see from the get-go that life is precious to the Lord. And the idea that um, somebody can kill another person because they don't want or think that they can't uh, take care of it, uh, take take care of him or her, um, is the epitome of false teaching, is the epitome of a lie straight from the pit of hell. If you think for one second that God is okay with you ending the life of your own child because you're not financially stable or it was, it happened and you didn't expect it to happen or you didn't want it to happen or the other person in your relationship is pressuring you to do it. Then you don't understand the, uh, the necessary uh, part of scripture that says do not murder because that is exactly what that is. That's murder. If you are ending a life, that life uh, that is precious to God, created in his image, you are killing something. You are killing a person. And it's, and it's, it's not, it's not about you. Your body may be the host of that other living person for a short period of time, but it does not give you the right to end that person's life. No matter how uh, much you don't want it, no matter how much you don't think you should keep it, no matter how much you are being pressured to get rid of it, um, there's not a, it's, not, it's not a valid reason to kill it. It's not a valid reason to kill the baby because that's what it is. It's a baby. It's not a, a lump of cells. It's not a tissue clump. It's not a, a quote unquote, just a fetus. It is a baby made in the image of God. And it doesn't matter if it was just conceived yesterday. It is still a child. You cannot say that it's not a life. If you're willing to say that life on Mars is bacteria, like that's some sort of great example of life, but you won't uphold the truth of, of being uh, pregnant, having a life inside you. That is that, that, that is the definition of life. You're not, you're not reading scripture very well because the Lord says that he knew us uh, before we were formed in our mother's wombs and that he formed us, that he's the one that breathed life into us. So this idea that, uh, that, <laughs> that you have some sort of autonomy over a baby 
because it's in your womb is mm-hmm. wrong. It's completely wrong. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, my body, my choice, right? You hear that all the time. My body, my choice. Don't tell me what to do with my body. Guess what? You had sex. Sorry, you lost the right to say that. If you want to be considered a person in the eyes of God, well, guess what? You've got another person to consider now. Mm. You can't just say it's only about me because that other person, they have the right to say that about themselves. And unfortunately, they can't speak yet. But if they could, pretty sure they'd say, yeah, please don't kill me because they're not going to turn around and say, gosh, mom, I know you're absolutely right. You should totally kill me. You know, I know dad was an evil person and, and he really shouldn't have raped you or whatever the situation was, or, you know, um, they, the baby isn't going to say that. And God doesn't say that. And you know, you're never going to find it in scripture where it promotes that because it's not true. So, you know, as far as Christian ethics go, this is a big one. Yeah. And this is where we need to be standing firm on the truth of scripture, because a life is a life, no matter how small. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's a Dr. Seuss quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that those are really good thoughts. Uh, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking in the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shall not murder. And the word murder, by the way, some Christians say, well, there's no there's no explicit verse that talks about why we, we can only draw by inference, they argue. Uh, some apologists teach this, that that by only by inference can you say that abortion is somehow murder. OK, but here's the thing. The word murder in the Ten Commandments is ratash. It means to slay. It means to assassinate intentional. What is the act of abortion, if not intentional slaying of a child, as Psalm 139 says, made in the womb? Mm-hmm. I, I, if that's not the, the very definition doesn't fit, literally the definition of the, the Hebrew word, ratash, for murder, I don't know. Then, 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 then you cause you, you have an even more of a problem because then you're saying that we can't really know murder because you're saying that that's not what it means, and that 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 subjectifies the the scriptures, which are, are an objective standard, and that in of itself is is telling. I think that even in apologists, some apologists I've I've engaged with, they're like, well, you can't you can't really say that, Dave. And I'm like, actually, you can. It's it's driven in the text. It's in the text. It's it's what the word means. Yeah. So if if words don't have meaning, then guess what? You have nothing to say. You and I, we have nothing to say. Uh, so so we're not only like you said earlier, Ephesians four fifteen, we're to speak the truth in love. It's not only that we're to speak the truth to a culture. Uh, to culture with the word of God, which we see, we see that we, that's the reason the apostles were out in the public square preaching Jesus in Acts 4 and 5, and they were persecuted because they stood fast on the word of God, and they were telling people about the person and the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see that in Acts 17 with Paul in Athens, 
um, and so on and so forth, uh, and and on and on. All, all re- just read the Book of Acts, okay? Yeah. Just just read it. And and here here's here's why this is so important. We as Christians, Paul told Timothy that that we have not been given a spirit of timidity or, or fear, but of sound mind. We we have been given the word of God. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit as Christians. And and what is the Holy Spirit aiming to do? As I often talk about on the show, he's aiming to take the word that we read and study and meditate and memorize and that we hear on Sunday. And he's aiming to take the truth and to drive it deeper into our lives and to point us to Christ from, from the word and to send us out on mission for God's glory. Okay, that's what he's doing. Um, And here's the thing then. This. This forms our character and it forms our witness, but it's our wit. It, it, it is our character and our witness that matters here. And as we go out into the public square, we need to we need to understand and be aware of the things that our culture is saying. Moral relativism, you know, like you mentioned, we're going to talk about. We're going to do a whole other episode on just dedicated to my body, my choice, because it. It is it is a real issue. And it by the way, this doesn't even pertain just to this argument that that's used for to support abortion. It's used to support transgenderism, the same argument. Uh, It's used to support homosexuality. It's used to support euthanasia. When I when I studied moral philosophy and keep in mind, this was like 2005. No, this was excuse me. It wasn't 2005. It was like 2003 or 2004. Uh, and I remember that we were discussing these things and they said, if you can, you can lump all these things, the pro-life, I remember our, the this very liberal professor saying you can lump, you know, the pro-life view and their view of euthanasia and all these th- uh, elder care, all you can lump the same argument in to, to, you know, a bucket, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, then, then they'll, they'll you know you can reject it right you can do away with it but the same also what they don't realize by saying that by logical inference you can do the same with all of their opposing views too (laughs) this is why friends friends this is why presuppositions matter that's what we're dealing with people's we're not against the people that hold these views we're not engaging in hate or anything we're dealing with actual arguments that people are advancing and the most loving and the most compassionate thing that we can do is say actually those those arguments they oppose the god who made you and the one who makes you he's the one like you were saying sir he's the one that gets to tell you ultimately what to do with your body he's the one that gets to tell you hey this is what you need to believe you know, you're either going to believe what he says or you're going to reject him. And that's where also, by the way, a matter where the Bible is explicitly clear, the fool says in his heart, the psalmist says, uh, there is no God. You know, this is the the creature telling the creator, hey, you don't even exist. This is why Paul says in Romans one, you know, about the depravity of man. And he, and he even gets into sexual sin. But the point is, is we either worship the Lord or we you know, we'll worship ourselves. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the issue. When we're talking about engaging these things, we're talking about, hey, this is what the Bible says. So we first need to be grounded in the scripture. And then we can go to our newspaper, or we can go to that, you know, 
I am so against CNN and MSNBC and all of those things. And actually, I'm I'm pretty much just against even, you know, Fox News, too. And all, all of those outlets, too. You know, uh, I, I don't generally even read the news. I might read the news on Facebook and it gives a variety of different perspectives. And so I'm a fan of that. But I, I don't encourage anybody to sit there and watch every night the, the news broadcast even mm-hmm. because – it, for me, for me, it becomes a matter of I get riled up and I get stirred up and I just get so upset. And so for the sake of my own sanctification, I have to say, mm, nope, you know, and Sarah knows that, too, because I'll be like, can I post? I'll, I'll be watching that. Can I can I post this? And you're like, no. And sometimes you're like, yes, I really want you to. And I'm like, you're so bad. Are you ready? Are you ready for me to hear about that? You know, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, you brought up a good point earlier uh, that I wanted to touch on. You mentioned that the word murder, um, when we're looking at the Hebrew word, uh, means to slay or to, you know, assassinate. And even if you look at just the English word, if you look at the definition of murder, it just, I mean, the definition is in a nutshell this that it's a forcible ending of a human life. Um, and they are not, and it's not their choice. So kind of think about that for a second. You are forcibly ending a human life by the will of yourself and not them. And I mean, if they, if they were to say that they wanted to end their life, now that would be considered suicide. Obviously that's not technically murder that's something else and we're not going to get into all that or whatever but uh you know just thinking about the definition of murder according to the english dictionary is if there there's no way around it you can't you can't wordsmith your way around calling it murder because that's exactly what it is now i also wanted to point out here that um a lot of people will say you know well you're you're anti women's health. You're anti. Uh, you're not. You're not very loving towards women. You know, there's a lot of people in a lot of different situations, and they may need additional help. Uh, yeah, of course, there, we are. We are not uh, anti women. I just wanted to say we are pro women. We are pro helping those women. A lot of them are struggling. Their their problems are real. Their problems are desperate in some cases. Uh, they need financial support. They need uh, you know housing support. They need uh, you know adoption. Uh, help or whatever the situation is, or uh, after they have their baby, they need additional help, you know, and, and it doesn't go away. Obviously, um, if they're opting to keep uh, the baby instead of giving it up for adoption, they're going to need after birth care. You can't just turn your back on that. And that's why we're so pro, um, you know, women's clinics and women's um, uh health uh, clinics and places like um, Love Inc. and and, um, the Pregnancy Helpline and that type of thing, because they're really trying uh, and succeeding in a lot of cases to help these women that are in these situations where they're afraid for the future. They're so worried about things financially. They're terrified that they're not going to be able to support themselves, let alone a child. Uh, or an, another another child, maybe they have like three or four kids and this is going to be their next uh, son or daughter. And they're just not sure that they're going to be able to make it. And we need to be there as Christians for them. 
we need to be there as the church and as Christians both, because these people, they need care, they need support. And whether it's looking, um, helping them find somebody to adopt their child to, if that's what they end up doing, or if they end up keeping the baby for themselves, we need to be uh, stepping up to the plate. We have the uh, finances that we can lend to these people or to give away, you know, however it's needed. Uh, we have the ability to give them food and clothing and shelter if needed. We're, the church as a whole needs to be able to come alongside these women and say, and their kids and say, hey, look, we are here for you. We want to help you. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about your where you're going to find, you know, rent money or your next meal or whatever it is that you're afraid of. And if it's something where you're being pressured by somebody else, we can help you with that too. We, you know, the church provides biblical counseling. And I know that some churches don't, but there's plenty of of places uh, that are not affiliated with a, a specific local church that also provide biblical counseling, um, whether it's affiliated with the uh, Women's Pregnancy uh, Center or something else. You know, these, the, these resources exist, and you need to know that uh, not only, and speaking to these people that are struggling right now, I want you to know if you uh, are having a hard time finding places to help you, reach out. Because, you know, resources like uh, Dave and I and Servants of Grace as a whole, um, other, other Christian ministries, we can help find somewhere locally that, we, that those places will, will help you. And if it's within our power, we'll, we'll, you know, build a bridge, make a contact for you. You know, we'll put you in touch with somebody that you can find help through you know it's not you're not alone and you know a lot of people they 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 say well why bother you know it's just it's too much hassle like this is this is overwhelming i can't handle this and they use that as an excuse to terminate a pregnancy and to have an abortion but um as we've already mentioned that's not god's way that's not pleasing to him you know uh, using, using finances as a reason. That's not, that's not okay. Because what that's saying is, is God, I don't trust you enough to provide. Mm. I don't feel like I can trust God enough to take care of me and this baby. So we need to be encouraging people in their faith. We need to be uplifting them in prayer. We need to be providing whatever resources we can to help these people that are going through these tough times and help them get through to the other side. So anyway, I just wanted to, to make that uh, point. No, that's really good. And I think just wrapping up this episode, uh, you know, the, the goal has been for us to stand on the word of God and to speak up. And as we hit these subjects, that's what we want you to do. Mm -hmm. um, we want you to stand on the word of God without fear, without timidity, without anxiety, to stand on the Bible and say, this is the truth um, because God cares about life. He, he, he sent his son into this world in the incarnation to pay the ultimate penalty in our place and for our sin and to be buried and to rise again. And so we are aiming here to speak the truth and love, but also to equip you, to equip you to do that. And so we want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of Equip You in Grace. 
And until next Monday or Wednesday, may God bless you and keep you and thank you for uh, tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.